Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another week of the Believe in Blazers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Brian Wheeler, your continual host. We are joined for the first of our three podcasts for the week. Of course, we update every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday by a good friend and a talented reporter in his own right. This, of course, being Dan Sheldon. You know him from many, many different things that he has done in the greater Portland area, uh, really worldwide in many respects. But uh, what he does now that you probably are most familiar with, co-host with Channing Fry of the Talking Blazers podcast. So so you are a veteran of these podcasts. Uh, do you enjoy the podcast world in general? Oh, I love it. I mean, it's not, um, well, I mean, you're committed Monday, Wednesday, Friday. For me, it's like I, I slow play it more than that. It's once a week with Shannon, and we usually, uh, they usually get uploaded, I think, on, on Thursdays or Fridays. So uh, you, you're, you're in more of a grind mode already out of the gate than I am. I've only committed to once a week with these things, and so that makes it that much easier where you can, you can have, you know, three or four games under your belt before you even have to mention anything uh, with Channing. And by the way, once I set Channing up to have to go off on his thoughts, I just to sit there for the next 10 minutes, you know, laugh my butt off and then try to interject whenever, whenever I get an opportunity. So it's the easiest gig in the world for me. Now I know for the commercial, you guys are in the same place, but are, when you do the podcast, you're in the same place or you're in different, different yeah, that, uh, spots? that commercial, those pictures were shot pre pandemic. Uh, so uh, hopefully I've lost uh, that shin, that little low angle stuff wheels, you know, they always get you on the low <laughs> angle camera shots, which gave me that, that second and third shin. But, um, but no, that those, those pictures that I think you're referring to during the blazer broadcasts uh, are, um, are from, from before the pandemic. So hopefully in the not too distant future, we'll get a chance to uh, be back in person with each other. Um, but I think, you know, he's gotten uh, his vaccinations. I'm halfway home with mine. So so we're getting closer. We're edging ever so closer to something that resembles uh, something that, that looks normal, right? From his days as a player, I, I knew that he was always a great interview. So you could tell that uh, that he would be like uh, a lot of the guys that would uh, uh, kind of morph into a broadcast career after his playing days were over. And I think yeah. he, he settled in very well. And, and I, I'm guessing that, that, uh, that, that you probably like the contributions that he's made. As you say, he's, uh, he's certainly not slow to his opinions and, and certainly has some great stories to tell. Well, that, and you know, it, it's always interesting because guys who immediately jump from the league, retire from the league and then go into media, there's always that initial pop of, Oh, I know that guy because he just played, you know, last year. And so there's every, every fan base knows Channing Fry immediately from his playing days. And he's got great stories to tell that is relevant in, in the present day because he played with most of the league. You know, they're either his teammates or guys that he competed against directly. And with a guy like Channing, you know, I think he has the potential to have uh, long-term staying power because he's somebody who not only, you know, can, can talk about the present and guys he played against, but he loves the game so much that you know that he'll keep studying the game and watching the game every night for as, you know, for as long as he's around. Whereas a lot of the time, guys who jump from the league to media, they lean on that. They lean on their relationships. They lean on who they used to play with. And then when those guys inevitably cycle out of the league and now they've got to learn new guys who they didn't play with, who they don't know, it's, it's, you, it, they become exposed pretty quickly because they don't do their homework. Chang's a guy who just loves the game, and so he'll be naturally doing his homework uh, every night for the rest of his life. <laughs> well, you and I both know that it's uh, always easier to, uh, to talk about a team when they're doing well, uh, such is not the case with uh, the Blazers right now, pair of home losses to uh, Memphis. Uh, they've now dropped five in a row, seven out of eight, and uh, fallen to the seventh spot in the West. Uh, meanwhile, those uh, upstart Grizzlies are now uh, right on the Blazers' heels in the eighth spot, just a half game back. 
They've clinched yeah. the season series between the two clubs. They'll play one more time in Memphis on Wednesday. Uh, never a good time for a five-game losing streak, but clearly among the worst times possible for the Blazers because a six-game road trip in the offing starting tomorrow in Indiana, only 12 games total remaining in the regular season. Top six teams in each conference avoid the play-in round of the postseason. Blazers are now a game and a half back of Dallas for that sixth seed in the West. They do have the tiebreaker over the Mavs, but Dallas definitely playing better right now, having won a three straight as we speak. So um, kind of odd because we're kind of used to Blazer teams under Terry Stotts finishing a season strong. That's not happening right now. You, can you point to any th- reason as to why? Well, I, I, the thing I point to right now is that it's really not much different is happening compared to when they were winning close games. And so, unfortunately, over that stretch where they were winning a lot of these close games, I saw it. A lot of people were saying, oh, they're just great in the clutch. I saw it more from the standpoint of this isn't so much a clutch situation as it is a toss-up situation. And that if you keep getting yourselves in these spots time and time again, eventually the coin lands on tails instead of heads because you've got great, talented players on the other side. Inevitably, their shots are going to go in too. Um, so unfortunately, with the way that this team is presently constructed and playing, when you're so reliant on the three-point shot to fall, uh, when you're so reliant on Damian Lillard getting to the free throw line and free throw line and drawing those free throw attempts, and when those things aren't happening offensively, uh, not a lot of other stuff is is really going to go your way because they don't have an offense right now that is set up to get you an easy two-point basket. And that's ultimately what it comes down to because that is something you can keep relying on and it's going to be there for you game in and game out. When you're, when you're relying on the other stuff, it doesn't happen. If you don't get the kind whistle one night, then the offense isn't going to be there. Um, if the three-point shot isn't falling by, by chance that particular night, then, then you're, you can't, if you don't have a reliable two-point offense that you can lean on, then these types of, you're susceptible to these types of, of streaks to go against you. And that's not even to, to, we're not even talking about the defense, which is really the big Achilles heel of this team right now. They can't stop anybody. I mean, they can't stop anybody specifically inside the arc. And we've seen that with Memphis over the last two games. They can't stop transition. And that's been an ongoing issue all season long. So if you are shut up to have to outscore everybody, as they have been all season long, and all of a sudden one or two elements of that offense just aren't there for a while, and Damian Lillard is, is admittedly trying to you know, pull, you know, know, drag his body uh, through this, this, this situation right now that he should really be, be sitting through and resting through, then to me this isn't a surprise. And it's not that much different than what you look like when things were falling your way. Damian said after yesterday's loss, I have to be better. Uh, He hasn't had a 30 point game in a while. Uh, We know that he never complains about his health, but it's clear that he's not healthy. Um, And he also is saying that he doesn't plan to take any more time off. So should that be good news or bad news for Blazer fans right now? Well, it's bad news because, you know, I don't see their lot in life changing. And, you know, you look at the schedule and as I've kind of looked out to the last week or two, you know, it could be a situation where it looks daunting and it looks really difficult over this stretch run. But you also look at potentially an opportunity down the stretch. These are the last the last week or so that we we see quite often, whereas a game against you know the Spurs historically all of a sudden turns into a, a walkover because they're resting everybody. I mean, you know, I'm talking in, in, in historical terms. Um, but, but you see a setup where some of those teams at the tail end might not be playing for positioning and might sit their guys to where it looks like a daunting task right now that actually could help them in that last push over the final week or two. Uh, but as it stands, I mean, they're, they're ticketed for me for the play in round and with or without Dame, um, I think it's gonna be difficult. I think it would be more difficult if he doesn't sit because he's going to be that much more tired when they get to that, that situation. I think at this point he needs to sit, he needs to decide, I got to rest my body. 
because inevitably we're going to be in a playing situation and they need me to be energized and ready to go to, to, to will ourselves into the, the, the main bracket of the playoffs, because one way or the other, it feels like the playing situation, just where they're going to be. Now, if I knew the playing situation was going to work out well, uh, <laughs> to be honest, I would, I would, I think rather be the seventh seed facing Phoenix in the first round than being the sixth seed and potentially facing a team like the Clippers in the first round. I know Phoenix has had a great season to this point, but as a group unproven in the playoffs and uh, hard to tell how and we know Chris Paul is going to be great, but uh, how good are some of those young players going to be in the postseason? kind of the first time being the hunted uh, in that respect. So I, I, I think, and now again, that's, that's if you could wave a magic wand and know that things are going to turn out well, and you're going to win that play in situation. Nobody sure. wants to be in it because there's, there's so, so little room for error. But, uh, but I think if you knew that that was going to work out, I think that would be a better first round matchup. If you're not, if you aren't going to have home court. Oh, no, you look at it. That's the weird part, right? Because right now it's, and really, I think what, a lot of what you're talking about is we're not going to believe these teams until we see it in a playoff situation, whether you're talking about Phoenix or you're talking about Utah. So ultimately, yeah, you could say to yourself, I'd rather be in a situation playing the Suns or even the Jazz. We know what the Jazz have done this year. We get it. But I, you know, thinking about historically and thinking about who, who the rosters that they compose that these teams are composed of and their their relative histories in the playoffs. Yeah, would I rather fall to the the Suns or a Jazz matchup relative to a Clippers or a Lakers matchup? Probably so. Probably so as it stands right now. Um, but ultimately, I think the Utah Jazz during this playoff run are going to prove a lot of people. It was kind of like the Warriors, you know, at the very beginning of their run, where you could see it over the course of that regular season. And yes, the offense was great, but they were the number one defense in, in basketball. And so you knew that was going to carry over to the playoffs, too. And so they they marched through the playoffs and kind of proved themselves during that first run. I think this could be something similar to what we're seeing with the Utah Jazz here this time around. So while a lot of people will be OK with a seven or eight seed because of that matchup, I think they'll quickly find out that uh, a team like Utah is for real. We hear from people close to her that Jody Allen is uh, engaged in the day-to-day activity of the team. She doesn't miss a game. Uh, she hasn't been to Portland for a game, but I noticed that Bert Cold uh, was in attendance uh, yesterday sitting with Blazer President uh, Chris McGowan. Not sure how often that has happened, but uh, Jody, while maybe not attending games, is still uh, being involved in what happens in games, but we still don't know how she feels about things. We still don't know if she uh, has any, in her own mind, if there's any pressure on Terry Stotts to do well in this particular postseason to hold on to his job. For that matter, Neil O'Shea is as president of basketball operations. So it's a little risky to try to predict things, but do you sense if it's another short or shall we say unspectacular playoff run, which could be a subjective term, I suppose, but do you suppose if something like that were to happen uh, that, that either Terry and or Neil uh, could potentially be in trouble with their jobs long-term? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, I don't think it's a cleaning house situation because, and I don't know, maybe, maybe Bert has, uh, you know, these deep connections in the league that I'm not familiar with, but ultimately if you're going to conduct a, a search for a replacement for either, I think it would be more likely you're conducting a search for a, a coaching replacement just because, you know, I think Neil could position if it came down to it, you know, we all think about the scenario where, all right, if, if, if somebody's going to get thrown overboard, how do I keep it from being me? And I think if, if I'm in that scenario and I'm Neil, I can position myself as the guy that can help steady the ship 
and bring you to the next person if you're upset with the, the, the status quo of things. If she were to clean house and get rid of both those, both Neil and Terry, now where does she turn? I mean, she doesn't have a lot of a long history in this league. If Paul were still around, you would trust that maybe Paul would clean house and then go find somebody else because Paul would be more confident in his long-term connections and history in the league and, and go grab a new general manager. Um, but I, I wouldn't imagine it would be both guys out the door at the same time. Could be, could be. Uh, but I would imagine if there were a change to occur, it would be the head coaching position. And I would hate to see that because I think Terry can still do a great job with this team. I think he's more so than anything a victim of this attribute of loyalty, kind of like Damian Lillard being the ultimate loyalist. Uh, Terry's very loyal to his guys, and he just – I would love to see a more tenured – um, a guy who obviously steeped in defense who would join his staff to help take over that side of things. And and we just haven't seen that. We haven't seen, you know, the last guy I can think of that was really in the mold to to be a, a peer that could really, you know, have Terry's ear would be Jay Triano. And how long has it been since Jay Triano has been on that staff? I mean, we haven't had a guy in that mold for quite some time. And I'm just surprised. We had, and I know that he consulted Jim Boylan. And I like Jim, but Jim's a crazy person. So I don't know if I'd want that guy, uh, Jim Boylan, to be on the staff to help uh, take care of the defense on a full-time basis. But would it have to be someone like that who, whose calling card is defense? And I'm just stu- I'm shocked that we've gotten this far and he hasn't crossed that road and found somebody to help him along those lines. We have seen certain situations where a GM maybe will go halfway uh, to making changes. He won't necessarily uh, oust the head coach altogether, but he will demand that there'd be changes in his staff. So I could see maybe something like that happening where maybe uh, there needs to be a Dick Harder type, as you say, somebody who really has specialized in defense and maybe just turn that aspect of, of the team over to that uh, assistant coach to run things. Because as you say, this is something that continues to be talked about all the time as we need to improve this. And yet it seems like uh, we also hear the talk all the time that we're not improving this and we got to keep working on it. And I think it's frustrating The question becomes either do we have the wrong personnel to get it done or is the scheme wrong to get it done? Whatever the case, it's not getting done. Yeah. And part of the problem wheels, and I know that, you know, Neil has tried to position himself as a guy who's tried to give Terry the pieces to, to make the defense better. You know, talk about Norman Powell um, and and the, the deal that was made there, or obviously going into the season with Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr., but, you know, a lot of people that were in the know that are really smart when it comes to the X and O's of this league would talk about those guys saying, hey, they're great upgrades. You know, they're very good upgrades for the Blazers in general. But if you're looking at either, either of those players talking about Jones or, or Covington as these lockdown defenders, as these, you know, stoppers of any kind, you're, you're not talking about them in the right context. They're good team defensive players and they're good help side defensive players, but they're not guys you can line up on Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James and and take them out of the mix. Now, granted, there aren't a lot of those guys at all, but but we've seen where, where those guys individually aren't going to be your defensive stoppers. And Norman Powell, look, he's fine, but he's not also, he's also not a defensive stopper as we've seen over, over his short tenure. They've been really good when those three players, Dame, CJ, and Norman have been on the floor at the same time based on net rating, but he's not a defensive stopper either. So, and, and, oh, by the way, this commitment to Carmelo Anthony as we're the custodians of his legacy. What a silly position to put yourself in. What a silly corner to, you know, like you've done yourself a disservice as a franchise. You're not a custodian to anybody's legacy. You're a custodian to your fan base to win as many games as possible. That's what you're a custodian of. So, and I know the big picture of, hey, we, we you know, we rehabbed a legend's career and, and look at us in the future when, when you're another legend out there who wants to, 
have some some career rehab or or to be taken proper care of. I get the, the the greater context, but I think they took it a step too far because Carmelo Anthony can't play any defense. So so if Neil's job is to help Terry with the defense personnel wise, I just think he hasn't done the job that I as great a job as he probably thinks he has in helping Terry on that side of the on that side of the equation. Spending our first podcast of the week with Dan Sheldon of Talking Blazers, that podcast you can catch uh, on a weekly basis. This, of course, is the Believe in Blazers podcast. We uh, update you three times a week on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Brian Wheeler. Uh, you know, it seems like local teams are not covered in the same way that uh, they used to be, whether that's uh, in a newspaper or uh, one of the local TV stations. Do you ever see that turning around as somebody who has been on TV, has, 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 has hosted shows where you're updating uh, the day in sports? Uh, can you see that turning around at all or? Are we in an era where uh, maybe the coverage of sports to some degree, depending on unless you go to a a niche sports channel uh, or a niche sports uh, magazine or newspaper, um, where maybe coverage is going to get even more scarce than it is right now? Well, I don't know if the coverage gets scarce. I think the depth isn't what it used to be. We see occasional instances of where the depth is still there. I mean, not, um, one of your uh, guests upcoming will be Jason Quick, who's done a great job recently with a Norman Powell profile and some other great stories that he's done. And Dwight James does a great job, NBC Sports Northwest. Um, and so we've got some, you know, some veterans who still have figured out how to get the job done under difficult circumstances in the Zoom era of ours, where you really just don't get the insight naturally on a day in day out basis, being in that locker room with and being around guys you know the, the camera turns on and whatever they want to present to you is what they present to you then they turn it back off and, and you really have no idea from a greater context you know it was not too no, not too long ago i'd say you know 15 years ago or so now brian where you were also able to get a lot of in-game insight because the media was like three rows back. <laughs> you know, they were, they were right there on the floor. They could hear the inner, you used to, when you were the, the radio voice of the Blazers, you were on the floor uh, until they kicked you up to, to mid-level, um, uh, what, up, up uh, top of the lower bowl. And so you didn't, as you can, you can speak to, you couldn't get those insights, those interactions between players, between coaches and players, between coaches and coaches that used to be just an organic part of the coverage that just doesn't exist anymore. And so I don't think, I think the fan base, they don't know what they don't know, right? They, they don't know what they're missing because there's no examples in the modern day of what they're missing. And so my fear is that a lot of people in positions of power from a PR standpoint will say, hey, we can control the message. And so we, you know, and we can make our jobs less messy by just doing what we want to do. At the same time, you lose a lot of the color. You lose a lot of the interesting things that maybe aren't the prettiest and neatest things, but they're still really interesting and they draw interest and buzz that uh, there's, there's sometimes messy there sometimes create some work from some pr people but they drive interest in what you're doing and i think the, the more we sanitize this thing the less interesting it becomes and unfortunately i think uh, the sanitizers might win out at the end of the day and they'll lose in the, in the long run they just won't realize it and my fear in this uh, post-pandemic era is that uh, you know there are many games that i watch and and i will say the announcers do a nice enough job that i have to kind of remind myself that they aren't necessarily at courtside, they aren't even necessarily in the same arena uh, or even together uh, calling the game. Uh, but I, I have a feeling that there's going to be some, um, you know, some budget folks with uh, various companies that are going to say, look at all the money that we're saving by not sending these announcers on uh, road trips, uh, paying per diem, whatever it might uh, cost to fly them uh, to various places uh, or stick them on a team playing somewhere. And I just wonder if, uh, if the way games are covered in terms of play-by-play, -play, if maybe 
that's just the way life, you know, we, we talk about things getting back to normal. I wonder if normal will be uh, that every time a game is played, that the announcers and the, the crew covering a game is going to be right there on site. I just wonder if maybe uh, things going so well in some cases without that being the case now, if that may be the way things will be long-term. Yeah. And, and they're just, they're not going as well as I think maybe the casual observer uh, thinks, because I mean, even, even locally, you can tell, and it's no, no fault of, uh, of Lamar and of Jordan because they've done a really good job under difficult circumstances, but you can tell when they're on site and when they're not, I mean, you can, they've got eyes and ears that can see things that the broadcast doesn't when they're on site, obviously. And, and they, they relay insights that can only happen in person when it's, when it's at home and they're able to be there. Uh, you just lose so much. I, I stink at play-by-play. I wish I was better. But uh, back uh, a decade or so ago, I did a season of Major League Soccer. And halfway through that season, we actually, to save money, to save a buck, transitioned from going on the road to doing the road games from a big screen TV in a conference room. And it's just so obvious and bad uh, because you don't have those eyes and those ears on the ground. You don't know things that are coming um, in a way that you could when you were there in person. So, yeah, that's another element that I hope – the pandemic hasn't taught the lesson of, hey, we can save another buck here by not doing this. There are so many good things that have happened that I think can enhance um, and make easier our lives in the long run from this this Zoom era and whatever else we've created to kind of make things happen on the fly over the last year that I hope is is a complementary element of what we do moving forward. But if it becomes everything that we do moving forward, we're going to be worse for it. And I, I hope there are enough smart people in positions of power. And sometimes I'm not so sure of that, but hopefully there are enough people in positions of power that can have the the veto on that and say, no, 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 no. There's, there's a lot to be gained from the way things used to be. So while we can maybe shave here and there when when a corner needs to be cut sure but to make a lot of the stuff that's going on now status quo from a broadcast standpoint simply to me isn't isn't sustainable all right some nba thoughts from you uh before we let you go uh who do you like to meet in the finals Oh, man. I hate this question, Brian. Come on, man. I, right now, I mean, you think about where we are right now. We'd be almost, you know, we'd be a, a good portion of the way through the first round under normal circumstances in a normal NBA calendar. And so I'd have a good picture normally on April 26th. I hate to date the podcast. I apologize. That's a that's a no-no. <laughs> but, but, I, but, but uh, yeah, should, this should live forever. This should be, you know, five years from now, people should tune this in and be fine listening to you and I chat back and forth. They'll be very but, confused at that point. <laughs> but, but especially right now, like, the thing I used to love about the NBA playoffs was that unlike March Madness, like I like crowning a true champion. I like my playoffs to help me figure out over having watched games over months and months and months. I like to be rewarded for my viewership and what I've learned for having for, for to say, okay, what I've learned along the way is playing out in these playoffs. And so that was time well spent instead of, all right, now you've watched, you know, 70 or 80 plus games over the span of six months. Now we're just going to start flipping coins to decide a champion. Like what, what, what were we doing this whole time? I don't want to start flipping coins. And so last, this past season in the bubble where it wasn't necessarily a coin flip, but it was tailor made for, for an old rickety team like the Lakers to win because they didn't have to go anywhere. They could just stay put in Orlando for, for X number of, uh, of days slash months and march their way to a title, which seemed rather predictable. But that was fine for that scenario. But here we're in a spot where, I don't know if we're going to get a true champion this time around either. 
because I'm not so sure this scenario, the way that they've had to stack all these games together, the ways that the injuries have gone down, that again, it feels like a coin flip to where if you just survive to the finish, you're the team that's left standing. Congratulations by default because you're able to survive with enough healthy players. I, I, I think when you go back and look at the way this was, this was planned out, to me, this was the opposite, not a full 180 of what happened in the bubble because they did such a great job of pulling that off. I think they, they, they regressed a little bit in the way they planned out the, the post-bubble season. I think too much of what we're seeing right now um, was, hey, let's, let's try to recoup as many dollars as we can. The 7 through 10 thing, Brian, it will be, unless something crazy awesome happens, it's going to be a one-and-done scenario. I can't imagine. There are enough people griping about it to where I think hopefully enough noise is made to where we get, we scrap it because it's unnecessary. It's not helping anybody. Does anyone really care about the battle amongst the ninth and 10th best teams to, to make their way into a play in situation? I don't care. I love the NBA playoffs to help to, 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 to watch the great teams become that much greater in a March toward the championship. This isn't about Cinderella. This is the NBA. This is the pros. Okay. Leave that for college. This is for who the biggest of the big boys are. So all this other nonsense where to me, all it does is increase the chance for injury. I'm not for it. I get it out of here. So long story short, I don't know who the NBA champion is, but I'm not going to trust my eyes that I saw the best team end up being crowned champion by the end of this thing. Well, the other part of it is too, that's in the playoffs. Uh, Teams will be playing on their home court, but will they have any true home court advantage? I mean, uh, you know, not every team is selling tickets, even if they are, you know, it could be 2000, could be 5,000. So it is that, that then makes it even more difficult to, to predict uh, if they're going to have a true home court advantage, like you, like you really fight to earn with the way you play during the regular season. So that could enter into it as well. All right. I can't get your, uh, can't get your firm decision there. How about I who think, gets, I think Utah wins it all. I think Utah wins it all. Really? Okay. Yeah, that I would think. be a great story. That would be a good story. Even in a pandemic year, that would be a great story. Uh, how about who gets your MVP vote then? Uh, it's, it's too bad right now that Dame, um, has had his issues. Now I think he can still bounce back over these last few weeks and, and grab it. But, um, but you know, that would be to me, the guy who, who can still jump up, do something magical with the Blazers over these final stretch of games and, and win the MVP. So I'll still say Damien, even though I know it's not trending that direction right now. Uh, but, but I think there's still a, a very strong possibility that ultimately he ends up being the guy because I just, every time I bet against, and I don't really bet against him, but anytime I think, ah, oh, this is the end, um, all of a sudden he does something crazy, goes for like 40 points per game over the span of 10 games. So, so I still think there's a very, very strong possibility that he can bounce back and, and grab that thing. Pretty hard to predict what the Blazers uh, as a group might be capable of uh, the rest of the way. With the schedule they have left, do you think that they have a better chance of moving up in the standings or falling back even further? Yeah, I think they'll fall. Well, I don't know if they'll fall further. I think they might. Their final resting spot might be the seventh spot. It could end up being eighth, um, but I, but I think it's going to probably be seventh. Um, and I think they're going to be in a, in a fight to even get into the main bracket, unfortunately. And I think that's going to be one of the situations where people say, no, look, these, these teams have done enough. If they've earned their way into the main bracket, at the end of the regular season, after the end of these games, then we shouldn't be doing this through the, with the seven through 10 deal. And I'll go back to the bubble. Like, remember how they, they set that up so that a team like Portland wouldn't feel like cannon fodder to the other teams in the main bracket already going into it, right? They set it up to where, okay, if you are within, what was it? Was it three games? If you're within three games of the Grizzlies, wherever the eighth team is, then you'll be part of the play-in scenario. Well, Portland, what'd they prove? They proved they didn't need the play-in because they rocketed past Memphis 
before the play-in scenario began. So all of a sudden, Memphis got a shot at a play-in with Portland, even though Portland overcame the odds to rock it past them. There should have been a play-in during the bubble. Portland did the job in the regular season, Wheels. So uh, anyway, I, again, I'm back. I'm, I'm down on 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 playing. So. Uh... But I think you're right. I, I think I think it's a one and out. I don't. I can't see it happening again next yeah. year. I can't. Yeah. So so to answer your question, I think they they end up as the seven. And based on the injuries, I don't know if they make it into the to the the big field or not. But um, but I hope so because uh, you know for for Blazer fans' sake, I want to see this scenario play out as long as possible. I'm I'm that guy who's holding out for like Zach Collins to all of a sudden come back. You know, I know the latest reporting is it has to be a deep playoff run, but, but that's, that's the only hope for, for changing this defense. It appears at this point, Brian, to get Jack Collins back in the fold. Isn't that amazing? That's what we're holding our, our hopes on. Uh, <laughs> it, it, but about maybe, maybe very right. Uh, when you get right uh-huh. down to it. All right. So uh, before we let you go, remind everybody again about uh, talking blazers. Also, yeah. we know that these days I hear your voice on uh, select uh, commercials here and there. So I know you're doing some voiceover work. If there's a company out there, that certainly would be smart to uh, pull you on board to to sell their product like never before, how they could get in touch with you about that and how people could find you on Twitter as well. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, DanSheldonVoice.com is where you can find me if you want me to uh, help with your business's message or your personal message, who knows, but uh, lots of people. Uh, global clientele, global, uh, global client base. Uh, it's weird how the world works now with the internet, how all of a sudden, you know, I could be doing work for somebody in Israel or, uh, or India and uh, on a daily basis and also here, obviously, in the U.S. So DanSheldonVoice.com, Talking Blazers with Channing Fry, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, at Dan Sheldon Voice on Twitter, all the places you can find me, Brian. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for uh, joining us, and uh, uh, maybe we'll get a chance to catch up with you as the uh, playoffs go on if it is a long playoff run for the Blazers, which I know we all would be rooting for. Absolutely. So you're saying I'm not going to come back anytime soon is what you're saying? No, no, I'm not saying that. I, I, I don't want to have a chance. We're, we're going to hopefully run this thing through the offseason. We may not update three times a week. So I we're going to have you back sometime soon. Regardless of how things turn yeah. out. But it'll be nice to talk about games still being played. So for let's, sure. hope for, let's hope for a nice, nice run if we can get it. But uh, the road trip starts tomorrow in Indiana. Uh, we'll update uh, this podcast again on Wednesday with a recap of that game and a preview of the final meeting of the regular season that night at Memphis. So be sure to join us. Jason Quick of The Athletic will be our guest on Wednesday. Dan, thanks again. Appreciate it. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Anytime, Brian. Thanks so much. Dan Sheldon joining us on this edition of the Believe in Blazers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, Jason Quick joins us on Wednesday. We'll update on Wednesday, update on Friday, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We update you at least during the regular season and playoffs right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Brian Wheeler. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.